Let's go to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4. Uh, I hope that it was communicated this afternoon and it will be communicated uh, in, this, in this session. And I'd like to say this with an exclamation point. I love going to church. I love going to church. I love being a pastor. It is the greatest calling in the entire world. I am so excited every time uh, that I have the opportunity to stand in our pulpit and to preach to our people. Now, with Dr. Ouellette following me, I'm going to hurry up and get out of the way so you can hear a a really good preacher. Um, But in my church, I love pastoring my church. And I love worshiping with our people. But worship has come to mean a lot of different things today. Um, There are churches uh, that probably uh, in your hometown would be similar to this, that it's about a production um, and the measure of success is how uh, the people respond to the production, the the lights and 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 the um, movie clips that may be shown and the uh, and, and this part of the program and that part of the program and how people hold their mics and how people are dressed and what type of music. And so if the production was really good, me and we had a great worship service. Philosophically, I have a problem with that. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. I want to share with you some thoughts about why we should love going to church and how we should worship the Lord. In 1979, this is interesting, Tucson Baptist, at that time it was Tucson Baptist Temple, we're now Tucson Baptist Church. Uh, Tucson Baptist Temple uh, had 1,900, uh, almost 2,000 people in church in 1979. And from that time, that was the pinnacle of the church. The church continued to slide downward until uh, 2008, 2009, when it really hit, uh, hit rock bottom. But there were some immediate challenges coming into the, to the church with uh, the different Bible versions that were being used, the, uh, uh, the music uh, that was in different parts of the ministry. Uh, certainly, um, as a pastor, I had some uh, concerns about how uh, our people who were in servant leadership positions, that uh, they were dressing and portraying themselves. And so there was a great challenge. And it wasn't about coming in and establishing a bunch of rules. It was establishing a, a philosophy of worship of what we were trying to accomplish. And we have that really in our passage of Scripture here tonight. Look with me in uh, Acts chapter 4, drop down to verse 23, and we'll look at several verses here. You're familiar with this story, so I'll read it quickly, but that way we'll have it as a part of our background for for this session. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against, <clears throat> excuse me, against his Christ. For of a truth against my holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and the signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Uh, I, as I said, love coming to church. 
I love preparing to preach the Word of God. I love the music part. I love the offering part where we have opportunity to give back to the Lord. I love every aspect of coming to church on a Sunday morning. And I I cry out the the same way that David cried out in Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And for that reason, he said in Psalm 122 and verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If I could not meet God in church, I would not attend. I, I can get handshakes and hugs at a civic club or out on the golf course. And I could find music in bars and nightclubs. And if I, if I want to have more knowledge, I could go to a seminar, read books, or even go back to school. My purpose for attending church is so much more than hugs and handshakes and music or knowledge. I, I attend church because I need that special dynamic of, of encountering the living God in the midst of his people. You know, you hear it from the chapel uh, platform every day that we should spend time with God every day. But there's something special about meeting God with other believers. I believe, I believe Matthew 18 verse 20 is true. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And we need to meet God both privately and publicly. And God's power through His church is greater than the sum of His power in our lives individually. And there's great power when I meet with God. But there's something special when we can worship together. And, and so I want to give you uh, some different words that, uh, that will help us explain how we can have worship back in our services and it not be just a production it not be something that we can just post on Twitter or Instagram as we talked about this aft- in this afternoon's session. The, the reality is, is that when I go to church, I want the living God to speak to me. And that's the reason that I go to church. And all the other things are, are blessings when we have great music and, and the, the, the giving of the offering is a great blessing. But when, the, when God Almighty speaks to me, there's something special about that worship. Here's the first thought. There must be preparation. There must be preparation. And with preparation, I think there's private preparation and public preparation. Private preparation for those who are going into church planning and those who are going into ministry, which would be the vast majority here. And that is, is that we can never neglect the secret place. We can never neglect that, that portion of the day when we give it to God. And whether it's our Bible reading, whether it's our prayer time, it must be committed as a, as a discipline in our life each and every single day. You cannot forsake the private preparation. But as a pastor, as a church planner, we obviously have public preparation. And we see back in chapter 3 that there was a restraint put on Peter during his arrest and trial. And chapter 3 records a remarkable scene in which the apostles, Peter and John, were in the temple in Jerusalem when a beggar who was lame in both legs and he asked for alms from them. And Peter said to him, look on us. 
And the beggar there thought he was going to receive a gift. But Peter said in verse 6 of, of Acts chapter 3, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And uh, there, of course, we know there were many people uh, in that part of the temple known as Solomon's uh, porch. And when they saw that lame man leaping and praising God in verse 10, they said they were filled with wonder and amazement. May I, may I say wonder and amazement's missing in our churches today that people get saved, that people are baptized I know it's unique what's going on here at Lancaster Baptist and, and of course, with having students um, here out of our ministry and they report back and they tell us the exciting things that go on, dozens of people being saved. That may not be happening in every church across the country. And, and, and oftentimes it, uh, when, when someone gets saved, it, it's, a, it's a whole hum thing. It's an amazing thing. The angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner is saved and when a life is claimed from, from the pits of hell. But I often wonder how many pastors still hear the still small voice. What do I mean by that? Let me give you an example very quickly. Uh, 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 I was sharing with uh, uh, someone at lunch today that uh, um, Thursday a week ago, um, I was in Washington, D.C. I was there for a meeting and uh, I, was, uh, I was there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for a meeting. Thursday, I was supposed to have a, some special training for something we we're going to do in the state of Arizona. I was getting ready to check out of the hotel. I had my devotions that morning, and, and I was looking forward to a good day. And about 11 o'clock, uh, right around that hour, it was as if the Holy Spirit, I know he didn't speak to me audibly, but inside me, it was like the Holy Spirit said, Brent, you need to go back home. Now, that really messed up things because I was supposed to be there uh, all day Thursday in a training seminar. Friday and Saturday I was uh, uh, to be a part of an ordination council of a, of a couple that was sent out of our church and they were being ordained in, in Virginia. And I had a, a speaking part in that. And so this was really going to mess up things, especially if I was wrong. But it's like the Holy Spirit said, Brent, you need to go back to Tucson. Um, I'm thinking about all the things that I know that's going on with that family. I already talked with them. They, they're okay in that situation. Well, what do I do? Holy Spirit, Brent, you need to go back to Tucson. Okay, all right, well, what I'll do is I'll call United and, and see if we can get something arranged. This is 11 o'clock on Thursday morning, and you don't just go get on an airplane, especially in Washington, D.C., so I called United, and, uh, and I have a special number I call, and they said, Hello there, Mr. Armstrong. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, how can we help you? And <clears throat> so uh, I, I said, I need to go back to Tucson. Uh, okay, um, uh, why do you need to go back to Tucson? Because the Holy Spirit told me I need to. Uh, I didn't really, I thought that, but I didn't really tell the lady on the other end of the line that. I knew that she would think I was really strange, but I, I said, I said, I'm not sure, but... I need to go back to Tucson today. And she said, well, okay, Mr. Armstrong, let me look. She looked at a couple of flights, uh, um, and she said, uh, she back on the phone, Mr. Armstrong, there's, there's no flights um, that I can get you back soon. Uh, there's one seat on a flight through San Francisco gets back in really late, but it's $983. I know the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to go back 
spend $983. So, so now I'm kind of confused. She said, Could you mind if I put you on hold again? I said, That's fine. Uh, and I, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I didn't know what to do. She puts me on hold. She comes back in about 10, 15 minutes and she said, um, Mr. Armstrong, could you fly to Phoenix? I said, well, sure, I, I, I could do that. It's about an hour and 45 minutes from our house, and I could do that. And, and I said, but how much is it? And she says, well, I'm just going to waive all the fees. Okay, well, that never happens. On United, it's a $200 change fee to change a ticket, and then you have to pay the difference in the, in the airline ticket. And, um, and she said, I'm just going to waive all the fees since we've been on the phone so long. Well, that was immediate affirmation. I was supposed to go back home because that wasn't supposed to happen. So I quickly check out the hotel, catch a, uh, uh, the bus ride over to the airport, get to the airport, and I didn't have a seat, and, um, and uh, went to the uh, United Club there, and the lady said, well, the only, thing, the only seat left is we have a middle seat. I hate middle seats. In fact, I get in the flesh if I get stuck in a middle seat. Um, but... I can't argue with the Lord. I know he told me to come back, and he's already taking care of the cost of it. So, ah, a middle seat. So now, I, I'm amazed the Lord worked out the details for me to go back. I canceled all my plans. I canceled the hotel. I canceled the rental car. I canceled my meetings. I profusely apologized um, to, the, to, to the young man that I was supposed to go to his ordination. I said, I'm supposed to go back to Tucson. I'm sorry I can't come to your ordination. Oh, Pastor Armstrong, why are you going back to Tucson? I don't know. It didn't make any sense. So um, I go to the counter. I, I check on my phone like every 10 minutes. I'm checking. Is there a seat open? Seat open. Finally, there's a window seat open. I run back up to the counter. I said, man, there's a, a window seat open. Can you grab that for me? And she did. Uh, so I went to the gate. I get to the gate and they're saying, flight oversold by four. $500 overnight accommodations Two food vouchers. So I walk up to the gate to get the details, and, they, and the lady said, Mr. Armstrong, how did you get on this flight? I went, the, somehow, the United Representative put me on a flight uh, that, had, uh, that was oversold. Well, I'm there. So I get back. Um, Friday, I show up. Everybody's confused because everyone knows I wasn't going to get into Saturday. So no one comes to my office because they're wondering why I'm back. Go through Friday morning, nothing happens. I go have lunch Friday, nothing happens. I'm scratching my head. Well, I know the Lord told me. I know the Lord told me to come back. Two o'clock, Friday afternoon, everything fell apart. One of our employees did something that was egregiously wrong and involved uh, an underage uh, a student in our school. And suddenly it became very evident that the still small voice was real. And it was encouraging at the same time that I still could hear the still small voice and that I obeyed the still small voice. I'm afraid there's a lot of pastors. They're so busy doing this, this, and this that they don't hear the still small voice. And I want to challenge you, part of that private preparation that leads to public preparation, is listening to the still, small voice. And we had to take care of a situation, had to let an employee go, and had I not been there, it could have been disastrous um, for 
uh, uh, losing a family in our church, and we were able to, to save, save that family. But uh, we got to listen to that still, small voice. In Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, we see in, uh, that Peter, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He gave a powerful message on the cross. And after hearing Peter's defense and observing their boldness, the people noted that these untrained, uneducated men, that they, they marveled and then they realized that they had been with Jesus and the place shook. Um, you know, part of worship and part of getting worship back in our, our churches is being with Jesus. Spending that private preparation time. Um, our church had been through a lot. Uh, it had gone through, uh, like I said, different Bible versions. Uh, music had changed. Uh, there was a split uh, 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 of, of what we should do and our future and our church. And, and there was a lot of battles facing us. And it all goes back for the pastor preparing uh, for those services. I, I want to challenge you young people. Private preparation, public preparation is essential to having proper worship in your church. But I want to share with you along those lines of, of how, how we do that preparation. And the first thing we must do in that private and public preparation is we must pursue Christ through the week. We must pursue Christ through the week. The church uh, had a powerful service uh, that day where the Bible says the whole place shook. But if you look... The people there had spent a long time preparing through uh, preaching and through uh, Bible study and through prayer before they ever got to the place that the Lord shook the place. Um, you cannot wait until Saturday night to prepare your message. You cannot wait until Saturday night um, to determine that I'm going to pray for the services. Part of having worship is preparing throughout the week, pursuing Christ throughout the week, knowing the mind of Christ and what you are to preach. We must prepare for Sunday uh, throughout the week. Uh, first of all, you must pursue Christ. Secondly, there you must prepare for Sunday throughout the week. And I suspect that people who do not encounter God in church on Sunday uh, do not honor Him on Saturday. Young men, there's a phenomenon going on. I teach the college class in my church. We have 40-some college students in our, in our church, and I, I choose to teach that class to stay connected, um, uh, to make me feel younger, uh, and, and to stay connected with what's going on among college students. I know that if given the freedom that this would apply to some young men here, I am dumbfounded by how many young men are addicted to video games. I, I, I see our guys come in Sunday morning, their eyes are blurry. It looks like they've been out drinking, but they've been up all night playing video games. If you're going into ministry, you have to lay aside some of those weights that will take you away from preparing to worship God on Sunday. And, you, and Saturday must be a day when you're preparing to preach the Word of God through, through your prayer life and, your, and, what you, and, and you're pursuing God uh, through the week that leads up to Saturday, that Saturday's devoted to getting ready for Sunday. But staying up playing video games... And, and staying up uh, distracted from what's, what's going to happen on Sunday does not invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with you. I am I'm just amazed how many college students play video games to all hours of the night. 
We must prioritize our time with God. We must pursue Christ and we must prepare and we must prioritize our time. Um, Do you think it's true that most people give more priority to going to work on Monday than they do being in church on Sunday? I I do think that's true. I think today, uh, many times in many churches, that, that, that Monday morning is more important than Sunday worship. May it not be true of the pastor as he is preparing for Sunday. May we... Be faithful to Hebrews 10 and verse 25 that we not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There's private preparation. There's public preparation to bring worship back into your church. The second thought I have tonight, and there must be proclamation. There must be proclamation. The Jerusalem church proclaimed God's glory. They proclaimed a message Uh, They lifted up or raised their voice to God in one accord. Nobody planned that. No worship leader said, hey, let's turn to responsive reading number 578. Let's read the 42nd Psalm together. And, And what happened is because of the preparation, when the word of God was proclaimed, it was a spontaneous outpouring of worship in the church. Note what they said. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. They praise God for the, what was happening in their church. We should do the same. A couple of thoughts about proclamation. We give glory to God by coming to him in humility. We give glory to God by coming to him in humility. James 4 and verse 6, God resisteth the proud, but Giveth grace to the humble. Peter, John, and the rest of the Jerusalem church, they had no problem coming to God in humility. And they had seen his mighty works and they knew it was only by his power that they were able to stand. And young men, coming to God in humility means that I confess, not cover my sins. I confess, not cover my sins my sins. And before you come to church and before you arrive and during your opening prayer, make sure that you have confessed your sins to God. I'd like to say something about humility and in confession of our sins. I mentioned this very briefly this afternoon, but I am so tired of how the devil is winning this war on social media for our minds. What do I mean by that? The devil has made it very easy for us to take our iPhones in one or two clicks, one or two clicks, with no filters, to be able to be anywhere that we shouldn't be as a, as a Christian. This year, 2016, in my counseling times that I've had, this is an astounding number. We are only in the, to the end of March. I've had 16 men, 16 men that I've counseled on pornography, and 14 of the 16 has been on their iPad or their iPhone. It's so easy to sin. And here's what happens. Young men getting ready to start a church, distracted, perhaps discouraged, or perhaps uh, just, hey, I've got it all under control, I can handle this. In the privacy of their office and preparing, they're tempted to, to go places that they shouldn't go, and in going on those places they shouldn't go, 
they cover that sin. They don't confess that sin. And then they expect God to show up and worship with them on a Sunday morning and and dozens of visitors and lots of people getting saved. And wow, it was great to be in God's house. And when we wonder, where was the power of God? I want to say the power of God is missing because there's a lot of pastors covering rather than confessing their sins. And that means that we have to set aside our ego, set aside our pride, and in our churches, get on our knees uh, on the altar and confess our sins and make sure that we have a pure heart before we stand in the pulpit to preach the Word of God. We give to glory to God by coming to Him in honesty. Not just humility, but in honesty. We must show our gratitude. We have so much to be thankful. Psalm 107, 22 says, Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. And we must remember that everything we are, everything we own, everything that we do, it is a gift from God. And if we're going to bring worship back into our church, it starts with the pastor before he proclaims the word of God, coming to him in humility, confessing his sins, coming honestly before God, and then also coming to God in honor. The main Greek word for worship in the New Testament, it, it has the idea to kiss. It's a, it's a word picture of a dog licking his master's hand. And like the sinful woman in Simon the Pharisee's house, we do not experience the power of God Uh, by showing him how beautiful or how intelligent or how successful we are. We experience his power by humbly bowing ourselves and kissing his feet in worship. So a lot of churches, they may put on a good production, but they don't have the power of God because the preacher has covered his sins rather than confessed his sins. The first thing we must do is have preparation. And after we have preparation, we have proclamation. The third thing I'd like to look at is the word presumption. We have presumption. By that, uh, we expect people to listen intently to the Word of God. The Jerusalem church was enriched by God's Word. And we should not be surprised that as soon as they proclaimed the, the glory of God, the Word of God, and it was quoted in their midst and the Holy Spirit of God used it. Young man, may I just, just a side note. I know that many of you will preach from your iPad. I have an iPad. We use that for our notes. Uh, it, it actually helps me. It's a great tool. But I always bring my Bible to the pulpit. I never use this technological device to supplant the Word of God that, 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 that's so personal and special to me. I, I, I also want all the people to see that I carry the Word of God. And I challenge you, uh, as a practicality thing, I know the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and and if you have the the Bible on your iPad, uh, it, it is the Word of God, but there's nothing like touching, feeling, and letting people see that you have the Word of God. Don't let them think that you're just reading uh, from some book or from your iPad. There, there's power in the Word of God. It's quick. It's powerful. So encourage your people in this presumption. There should be a presumption that people are going to bring their Bibles to church. 
Now that may sound obvious, but teach your people to bring their Bibles to church. And even in a church of several hundred, we have people still raise their Bibles to, to, for the peer pressure, the, to bring your Bible, bring your sword. Uh, and when, This is our authority when we say go to such and such a verse. This is the authority. Um, if you do not have Bibles available for visitors, have Bibles available for vis- visitors so they can touch and feel the Word of God. Uh, in presuming that the Holy Spirit's going to come and there's going to be worship, not only should your people bring the Word of God, but the people should beg the Holy Spirit to, to work in that service. The prayer at the offering, the prayer at the beginning, the prayer before the message, they're not trite little words we say. We're inviting the Holy Spirit of God to speak to people. And so beg the Holy Spirit of God. May I encourage you, bury yourself in the Scriptures. Do not depend on on a class you had in college. Do not depend on something you heard on the radio. Do not depend on something you read in a magazine. Bury yourself in the Word of God. Be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 who searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. I encourage you to build or customize your Bible. I have a preaching Bible and I have a study Bible. No one would want to ever use my study Bible. It's completely marked up and and highlighted and and it's it's customized for me. I have built that Bible so that in my study that I'm drawn to the things that the Lord has spoken to me through the years. Don't be afraid to mark in your Bible. Don't be afraid to customize it, underline it, highlight it, write in the margins I encourage you to use the Word of God. A Bible, someone has said, that's falling apart is from use is often a sign of a life that's not falling apart. I want to challenge you to take these, these steps here um, and begin these in your ministry. The, so, the, so there's preparation, private and public. There's proclamation and there's presumption. There's a presumption that people are going to listen to the Word of God. Another thought I have tonight is practition. Practition. Practition is this. There's going to, there should be a focus on Jesus in your worship service. We have video announcements. From time to time we'll use a Mother's Day clip to, that's sappy or something, or, or Father's Day will have a, a, a dad playing ball with his children, and it, and it helps us get, you know, points us toward the preaching time. It's Father's Day. But may I challenge you that the central part of every service, the focus is Jesus and what He's done. From time to time, um, I watch a service on YouTube of, wow, look what this church is doing. And I'm interested. I, I, I want our church to grow. I want us to be able to see people saved, baptized, and disciple. And so I'll, from time to time, watch a, another service on YouTube. I'm dumbfounded how the, the message of Christ is not central and in many of these church services, it's the production of what's going on. And people say, wow, it was great to be in church today because of the production. Listen, the focus must always be on Jesus Christ and what he has done. The Jerusalem church gave attention to Jesus. In the midst of the prayer, they honored the Lord. 
Uh, We should give our attention. Jesus should be the object of our worship, the audience of our prayers, the subject of our sermons and our Bible lessons. Ephesians 3 and verse 21 says, To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages or generations, world without end. Number five, there should be petition. I could use the word prayer, uh, but... There should be an, we should have a prayer for empowerment. There should be petition. The Jerusalem church prayed for God's power in their life and they asked God to look on, on their threats and obviously they were severely threatened and, and, and they took it seriously. They were not overly afraid, but they needed God's assurance and they asked God to grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. What are some things that we should pray? I think... Honestly, the reason we don't have a lot of good worship in our churches is that we do not petition the Lord. We do not talk to the Lord. Let me give you some different ways that you can petition the Lord in your worship. I think we should pray for celebration, not commiseration. There's too many people having pity parties. I celebrate the fact that I'm a Christian. I celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life for me and he's given me a new life and it's a privilege to serve him. It should be a celebration to come to church on Sunday, not a commiseration with all the people who are sick and all the people that the marriages are falling apart. Let's get our eyes off of the problems and get our our eyes back on the reason that we are there. Acts 5 and verse 41 says that they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. How often our prayers are are nothing more than invitation to God to join us in some some self-indulgent pity party. It could be worse. You could be dead. We should praise Him. There should be a celebration in our prayer life. I think we should pray for capability, not camouflage. I think we should petition for capability, not camouflage. Not once did the Jerusalem church ask God to protect them. You know what they asked for? More boldness. They weren't concerned with themselves at all. In Vance Havner's book, Why Not Just Be Christians, he says this, In the days of the early church, Christians had to make a living as you and I. Some of them carved and gilded images for the pagans. They did not worship these images, but they saw no harm in making them for sale. (laughs) Their argument sounds familiar today. After all, somebody's going to do it. I have to live. Uh, Don't camouflage ourselves as a Christian. Be bold. Stand up. Have confidence. Um... We are living in a a day and age when Christians, on Monday through Saturday, they hide their faith. We have a a new rule at uh, our ministry starting this year that uh, we have a a, a dress policy. Uh, By the way, I always find it amazing that people will chafe under a dress policy, but they'll go to McDonald's and work and have to wear a uniform. Or, 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 uh, or, or I fly with United Airlines all the time. I've never seen a United employee not in uniform, a dress code. So we have a dress code in our ministry, and, and um, uh, e- either you have to wear a shirt with our logo that says Tucson Baptist, or you have to wear a tie if you're a guy to work in our ministry. And I've told our staff, if you're ashamed that you work at Tucson Baptist, um, then you go find somewhere else to work. No matter where you go, there shouldn't be a place you go that you can't stand with confidence that, you know what, I'm employed at Tucson Baptist, and it gives opportunities to talk about the Lord. There's a lot of people trying to camouflage their faith. 
Be bold. I think we should petition with confidence and not cowardice. Petition with confidence, not cowardice. Have you ever been to a boring prayer meeting? Prayer should be with a bold confidence. Listen to these verses in Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Romans 12 verse 11 tells us not to be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. 2 Peter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you want to have a worship service that's pleasing to the Lord, there should also be number six, promotion. After that petition, asking the Lord for a holy boldness, there should be promotion. Do you know that on Sunday, I expect God to show up? I've prepared through the week. I'm excited. Can't wait to get to Sunday. Oh, sometimes there's heavy burdens. And as a pastor, I have to set those aside when I enter through the pulpit. And sometimes it's very difficult to preach because of uh, of certain circumstances. I, I had to let an employee go on a Friday afternoon. It was a very difficult Saturday. Many meetings with the other family. It was a heavy burden. I couldn't share that burden with our church family. But Sunday was coming. I still had to stand in the pulpit three times on Sunday. And you know what? Even in spite of those heavy burdens, I expected the Lord to show up and for people to be saved and lives to be changed. We should promote the fact that there's going to be worship at our church. The prayers of the Jerusalem church, they were answered quickly. The first thing that happened after the prayer, the Bible says the place that they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled or saturated with the Holy Spirit. Then they spoke the word of God. The Bible says with boldness. When we come to church, we should come expectantly. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons that we do not prepare to experience God's presence is that we're afraid of what it might mean to us. I want God to come to church. What about you? I am reminded of a story I read and the Days when an ice cream sundae cost much less, a 10-year-old boy entered the hotel coffee shop and sat at a table. A waitress put a glass of water in front of him. The boy asked, ma'am, how much is an ice cream sundae? Fifty cents, replied the waitress. The little boy pulled out his hand and, and was studying the number of coins in it. He said, well... How much is a plain dish of ice cream, he inquired. And some people were waiting for the table and they were a little bit impatient. And the waitress said a little brusquely, 35 cents. The little boy again, he counted the coins and he said, I'll just have the plain ice cream. The waitress came back a few minutes later, brought the little dish of plain ice cream, put the bill on the table, walked away. Oh, the little boy, he enjoyed every little bit of that plain ice cream. Paid the cashier his 35 cents and departed. When the waitress came back, she began to wiping down the table and then she swallowed very hard at what she saw. There placed neatly beside the empty dish were two nickels and five pennies for her tip. The young boy had enough money for the big Sunday, but instead he considered the waitress and the waitress had never considered that little boy at all. 
You know, Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For my conclusion, I want to have some practical words of advice for you. The message has been a list of six or seven thoughts that all begin with the letter P about how we can bring worship back, how worship should be a part of our service. But practically speaking, as a church plant, maybe a replant, I want to challenge you. The pool of the world is to be like the world. And never once in any passage of Scripture in the church did the church try to become like the world to win the world. No matter what is going on around our country, young men, preach the Word. But in preaching the Word, you must have that public and private preparation. And that means that there has to be some confession of sins. If you want worship that's pleasing to the Lord, and whether that's through your song service, and I realize there's all different kinds of taste of music in here, and that's not my purpose tonight. But whether it's in your song service, whether it's in the way you receive your tithes and offerings, we would all probably handle our visitors a little bit different. We may even have different discipleship courses. But there's one thing that we all must have. We must have the power of God in our preaching. And if we do not have that private preparation where we confess our sins to the Lord, and we don't prepare during the week for that Sunday morning service, and you say, well, I'm just so busy, that you need to give up something else in your life. Because the main thing is to stand in that pulpit and proclaim the Word of God. But if you are not right with the Lord, if your heart is not right, and you cannot pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot expect for worship to be there in your service. So practically speaking, there must be, for every preacher stands in the pulpit, a private time with the Lord in preparing before you proclaim. And I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me to, to go to Tucson Baptist Church. I'm thankful that, that we have a number of students preparing in Bible college I'm thankful for the many blessings the Lord has bestowed upon our church. But I want to tell you that it all comes from what we have just talked about tonight. The worship part comes from you as a young man preparing your heart and your life to, pro- to, to proclaim the most powerful of all words. And that comes from this. Not, something, not some sermon that you download from the internet. Not some special thing you saw on YouTube. It comes from your time preparing in this book. And may I encourage you, never get over that, that study of the Word of God. Never get bored with the study of the Word of God. And don't stand in the pulpit knowing you're not clean. And then get discouraged when the invitation time comes And nothing happened. Be clean when you stand in the pulpit. 
Confess, don't cover your sins. And let's bring worship back the way God meant it. And uh, it's not about production, but it is about preaching. And it is about being prepared. And it is about petitioning the Lord in a spirit of humility. Thank you for this opportunity. I'll turn the time back over uh, to Dr. Getch. And um, let's bring worship back the way God meant it to be brought back, whether it's a church plan or replant or your home church when you go back this summer. Thank you, Dr. Getch.